0: Welcome to People and Profit, I'm Kate Moody. Coming up, as rare protests break out across China, we take a closer look at the impact of the zero COVID policy on workers, businesses, and the economy. The sudden collapse of FTX sent shockwaves across the crypto industry. How are other platforms being affected and what does it all mean for regulation? Plus, as winter approaches, how are European cities adapting their festive end of year decorations the energy crisis unusually large and violent demonstrations broke out in cities across china protesters have touched on a number of grievances including frustration at ongoing stringent covid controls china's zero covid policy mandates mass testing quarantines and strict lockdowns even in areas where only a few cases are reported Although largely seen as successful during the height of the pandemic, critics say the restrictions are now failing to contain the country's worst outbreak on record. And three years after the virus was first detected, the strategy is starting to wear on local residents and workers, as well as foreign investors and the economy as a whole.
1: We have
2: been recommending for some time now a recalibration of China's zero-COVID policy. Exactly because of the impact it has both on people and on the economy. It is tough on people. It is also negatively impacting the Chinese economy through spillovers to the world economy.
0: Let's speak to Chang Tai professor at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Thanks for joining us today. We're now hearing growing calls from within China, as well as the likes of the IMF, for Beijing to reconsider its zero COVID policy. Are there any signs that that will happen?
2: We are seeing growing signs that there is going to be a shift from the zero COVID policy, although they may not explicitly say that they're going to shift from the zero COVID policy. And I would say that there are two big uh, two big uh, uh, events in the last uh, twenty four hours one is that um, they announced that they 're going to impose mandatory vaccinations on the elderly, which they haven 't done for for two and a half years and The second thing is that what we 're seeing in the last twenty four hours is that more and more cities are relaxing their zero Covid restrictions, even though they're not explicitly saying so, but in practice, that is what we are, uh, what we are seeing.
0: What do we know about the impact of the policy on domestic firms as well as on international corporations that do business in China?
2: I think there's no question that it's been an unmitigated disaster. I mean, it's been, it's been um, the uh, growth is. in in the past year is down to levels that we haven't seen for decades. Uh, You see more and more international corporations leaving China because it's frankly impossible to operate in the zero-COVID environment. Um, You see youth unemployment rising to levels that, that, uh, frankly, we haven't seen for decades. It's reaching 20%. Uh, so I think that I think that economically it's been an unmitigated disaster for for workers. It's been an unmitigated disaster for for Chinese companies, particularly Chinese companies in the service sector. And it's it's growing, and it's a growing problem for companies that used to be able to manage it, like like this Taiwanese company called Foxconn. But it it, it looks very clear that they also can't deal with it anymore. Um, so. Um i mean just just rationally i i you know it's i it, it, i I don't see any way out other than backing away from from zero covid although I understand that that for purposes of political messaging they can't explicitly say that
0: do the covid controls and the reaction that we've now been seeing to them do they make China a less attractive place for foreign investors at the moment
2: absolutely. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's there's. I mean, the, I mean, like, you know, how are you going to be? How are you going to send your people to China if they have to go through, uh, to through you know one week of of a mandatory quarantine? Plus, it could end up being a lot more if somebody around you tests positive. No, no. Uh, I mean that that that's just uh uh, uh to begin with. And then there and then right now in the last year what we see are these random lockdowns, depending on whether you know if there's one positive case in your company then everybody has to go through a lockdown or if there's somebody from your company that has been in close contact with uh, uh, with somebody that has a positive, then everybody goes into a lockdown and it's so random that is you know there's there, there's no way that you can try to um, you can try to protect yourself against it.
0: We've seen two broad trends in these recent protests. Uh, one is perhaps more low-paid workers, as we've seen at the Foxconn plant, but the other is students and more middle-class protesters, uh, as we've seen in Shanghai, for example. The zero-COVID restrictions really affecting those two groups very differently.
2: I, I guess I would put it differently, that it, it, yeah, since you're talking about the protests, it's, there always has been protests in China. What what a Foxconn worker has experienced is, in some sense, no different from what an investment banker in Shanghai has experienced. Um, in, in in terms of the severity, in terms of the arbitrariness of, of the lockdowns, uh, and 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 you know, so that is what is really unusual about what we're seeing now, that it's it's really the first nationwide protest that we, we, we have seen in China for a very long time.
0: Some analysts have described these protests as representing arguably the most serious challenge yet to Xi Jinping's leadership. Do you agree? And how do you think this might affect China's place as the world's second largest economy?
2: I have a slightly different view that I think that if there hadn't been these protests, they Zero COVID policy would have continued, would continue, and that would pose a greater peril to the Chinese regime. This, the protest, to the extent that it it lights the fire uh, uh, under the Chinese authorities to 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 think hard about what they're doing and to, and to finally do the right thing, may actually have have the effect of of. Of, of strengthening and saving the regime now there's there, uh, there's obviously another scenario the, the the other scenario is that is that the protests go on and they don't undertake any course correction and that I think that in that case I think that your uh, the, the answer to your question is that it, it it probably will pose the greatest threat to the regime. But to the extent that it, it, it forces them to undertake corrective action, uh, I think that it may actually have the effect of saving the regime.
0: All right, Chang Taixie, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for joining us on France 24 today.
2: OK, thank you.
0: Next, in November, the world's third largest cryptocurrency exchange collapsed. FTX had been valued at over $32 billion at the start of the year. It was run by a young rising star in the industry, Sam Bankman-Fried. But a mix of bad management, risky investments in other firms that he owned, and market conditions, forced the firm to declare bankruptcy, leaving millions of investors and customers looking for their money. The debacle has now raised questions about the viability of other cryptocurrency ventures. Charles Pellegrin joins me now. What kind of a knock-on effect is this having on other crypto companies?
3: Well, what the FTX collapse has highlighted is how interconnected the crypto ecosystem can be. Case in point, the situation of digital asset lender BlockFi, which was bailed out by FTX in July with a $400 million credit line. But that exposure forced it to declare bankruptcy just weeks after FTX, leaving BlockFi with $10 billion in liability. Well, this kind of pattern was visible throughout the year with a success of other ventures going bust. Three Arrows Capital, Voyager Digital, and Celsius Network in addition to the other two. Some reports say over 5,000 jobs have been cut in the crypto industry since April.
0: And it's already been a tough year for the crypto industry on the markets.
3: Absolutely. In the last year, Bitcoin has seen a dramatic drop in value from over 51,000 euros last year to just under 16,000 euros today. And we can see a similar picture with Ether, even if the fall in value isn't quite as steep, worth just under 4,000 euros a year ago, and now just over 1,100 euros. Well, One of the major macroeconomic factors behind this drop is the raising of interest rates. In a context where liquidity is harder to come by, investments considered to be risky, like crypto, aren't as attractive.
0: So what does all this mean for pending regulation?
3: While the US, UK and EU all have draft legislation in the works, the Biden administration has published a framework. It would seek to increase protection of consumers and investors, fight the use of crypto for illicit financing, create a new kind of digital dollar that would provide better guarantees and promote financial stability. The collapse of FTX suggests that some players in the crypto world have too much power over consumers and competitors alike. Charles Pellegrin, thanks so much for that.
0: Well, now is the time of year when many European towns and cities add a bit of extra sparkle to their streets with festive lighting and decorations. But with an energy crisis weighing on households and businesses alike, public officials are trying to limit their bills without looking like Scrooge. Emerald Maxwell has more.
1: So far, so familiar. But this year, the city of lights will glow a little dimmer. It's beautiful. It's, just, it's Christmas. I mean, how many people are here? It just brought us all together. Mindful of the energy crisis, Paris is switching to LED Christmas lights, turning them off earlier at night and running them over fewer weeks. Organisers say this year's display will consume half the energy of last year's.
3: Even with everything that's happening in Europe, with the climate, what's happening everywhere, we have to keep a moment of shared collective joy, of wonder.
1: Christmas wonder helps retailers bottom line during what is traditionally the most lucrative time of year for them. So European cities and businesses are still sprucing things up for the festive season, but in a more sustainable way. Baden's advent market, for instance, features electricity-free attractions for kids.
3: Our motto is to save 20% of our energy. That is especially important to us. But at the same time, we want to spread 100% of the atmosphere.
1: Other places are turning the heating down or off, like this Christmas market in Lille. It's
0: not going to be very easy being here all day without heating. But if it gets cold, at least I have what I need to warm up.
1: Budapest, meanwhile, wasn't ready to pull the plug on all its Christmas lights, despite the surging energy costs. So the festive decor in this square is powered up by passers-by taking turns to pedal.
0: That's all for now. Don't forget you can find this and our previous shows on our website or as a podcast wherever you usually listen. You can also get in touch with your comments and questions on social media. Until next time, thanks for watching.
1: With all the main European news, debates between representatives of the best and worst performing EU member states, and exclusive interviews with major personalities.
3: Talking Europe, presented by Catherine Nicholson, on France24 and France24.com.